0: This is an eavesdropping conversation. I'm Juliet Fraser and today I'm talking with Romina Lischke, who's sitting somewhere in Belgium, is that right?
1: Yes, I'm between Brussels and Leuven in the countryside in a small village.
0: Oh, how nice. <laughs> yes. um, before we get into that, perhaps you can tell, um, tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are and the sort of music that you make.
1: Yes, so I'm uh, from Austria originally, from Vienna, where I started music as a child already. I played guitar and I learned a bit Indian music and I played the viola da gamba. And then um, I started to study the violin in Switzerland and then I continued in Belgium, which is how I arrived here. And I also studied Indian music in Holland and in India. So I do mainly um, early music on the viol, so Renaissance Baroque music. But I also do Indian music vocal, so I sing. And actually now I do more and more projects where I improvise a lot with other musicians, often musicians from the East. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: um, so, yeah, we are experimenting and searching and doing whatever is fun.
0: And you also have done some new music. Yes,
1: Yes, um, I play in the opera of George Benjamin, uh, ah. written on skin, since 2012, since okay. the, so I did the premiere in Extra provence and I follow the production, well not everything, but every year. Mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's really a lot of fun actually because I played with the Bolshoi Orchestra in Moscow and I played with the Shanghai <laughs> Symphony Orchestra and, and yeah, with the Radio France, Paris Philharmonie Orchestra and so it's a situation as a gamba player which never happens yeah. and also to sit in a symphonic orchestra with 80 musicians it's and the singers are just amazing So, and often George is conducting, That's that's really, really fantastic and yeah, so it's, uh, it's all a lot of fun because it's totally different sounds and a completely different world. But I feel actually that new music is much closer to early music than to classical mm-hmm. music. That's mm-hmm. how it feels for me. Also, the mindset of the musicians is more, um, maybe more, there's more fantasy and searching and also researching, mm-hmm. but also a lot of fantasy in the mind, I find. Um, can you
0: say a bit more about that? So you mean fantasy in terms of the way that we approach interpretation?
1: or Yeah, maybe not interpretation, but that you really want to understand where music comes from and what is the story behind. Mm-hmm. And you want to create your own context. Because I think often as a more classical musician that you have this big repertoire so you just play this big repertoire but if you do early music there's much well now we know a lot but you have to create your own programs and also in new music you really have to or commission a composer or as a composer you create a new world mm. so there's more um yeah more fantasy yeah
0: I mean. okay that's interesting and people talk um a lot about this uh, parallel if you like between early music and contemporary music with um i suppose from a performance point of view in in terms of pairing repertoire people talk about i think a, a similar aesthetic restraint perhaps between the two eras um, yeah. I suppose that's, well, it's not true of all contemporary music, of course, and you can hardly say that Gesualdo is emotionally <laughs> restrained, but I think there is something that's um, anyway different from the kind of overblown romanticism of late 19th century music.
1: Yeah, and also the, the sound of the voices is more, um, st- also new music, the voices are more straight, and also early music but I mean there's maybe differences but the, the awareness of how to deal with a voice is different.
0: Yeah but I always wonder whether if that's not a kind of um, a circular situation That I'm not sure what the cause is of that I think it's I think it may well be that contemporary composers have been attracted to an early music sound but it's not that or rather that singers who don't find that they fit the opera model have to find another avenue to go into and so it might be early music or it might be contemporary music but I'm not sure how linked that is actually to the material I think it's more linked to to circumstances or anyway this kind of split that we have between the operatic sound and the other sort of vocal sound Anyway, I don't know why we're talking about voices. That's not, that's not what I've come here to talk to <laughs> <Okay. you> about. <laughs> anyway,
1: yeah. No, so I also do other new music. So I commissioned Annelies van Parijs, which is a Belgian mm. composer, and yeah. uh, she wrote interludes on the Seven Lacrime Pavans of Dowland, mm. which was actually the first big project of my group. So, Hetzel Consort is my group. And uh, it was actually a project developed with a dancer, a contemporary dancer, and she actually created a choreography first on the seven lacrime pavens, And then um, we got the new music of Annelies van Parijs, and then she created also choreography on that. Uh-huh. So that's, that's um, the first big project I ever did.
0: Yeah, so your ensemble, the Hathar Ensemble, it, 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 it exists, if I understand correctly, really to experiment with different genres and different art forms is that is
1: that true yeah it's very wide we also do only early music pro- okay. programs and uh, also while consort programs and with singers we do a lot with Pluto ensemble which mm-hmm. is a vocal group of Manix mm-hmm. but we do uh, we also do projects with Indian music for example and in the English Renaissance music where we improvise a lot and then uh, we also have a project now where I looked at all this new repertoire that Fretwork commissioned in the 90s yes. and, and 2000s and um, which is also this piece of George Benjamin upon silence but then I realized that somehow it only makes sense if I continue this path and I, I, I try to find new music for us and not only play new pieces that are kind of old now I mean, not really old, <laughs> but I mean for new music terms and um, so I commissioned Donneke Dennehy and he will write a piece which will be finished in summer. Great. So, yeah, so this is a project that that is now new. And then also Marnix uh, wrote a piece which we already, which he was actually singing and playing. So for Countertenor and Five Files, which was coming out of a personal song and went into his piece. So, yeah, so I think I really would like to commission more... Um, New pieces so I wanted to ask you if you can articulate what it is
0: about combining or crossing these different genres that excites
1: you I think it's somehow out of because i I love the vile concert repertoire, but even me, although I love it very much, I find it very hard to listen one hour to that mm-hmm. only i mean it's very it's amazing sound, but I think that an ex- like a musical experience, also for an audience, can live from from variety.
0: Yeah.
1: And I think I just want to have as much different sound as possible. And even having new music and early music that you play in a completely different way, so the instruments will sound very different and you look for different, so you go on different limits of what mm-hmm. is possible in the sound of an instrument. Because with early music, we are always very beautiful, but, you know, there's less extremes. So I think in new music, you can create more extremes. Mm -hmm. And also, it was very shocking for me when we did this uh, Lakima project with the new music and dance, and I watched it, it was video recorded just for us, and I watched it after. And actually, the new music kind of talked more to me than the early music. (laughs) And that was really strange, because I I was busy for 10 years only with early music, and then I realized, like... That's strange like for me as a modern person i I kind of that talks more to me so i always think what would i want to listen to for an hour
0: yeah
1: and and i i think it's just as a person today of course the past can give us a lot and can tell us a lot but we just need to deal with things today that are today It's just too limited. as It's like seeing as a human, I only focus on now. I mean, of course, we all want that. Huh? <laughs> but, uh, but somehow, I mean, we have a past and we have a future and we have a now. It's yeah. just too human to just include everything. No? Mm-hmm. I mean, because not life is not one thing.
0: And how about the, the, the Drupad?
1: So Drupad is the oldest form of uh, North Indian classical music. And it's Actually, originally it was the chanting of the Vedas in the temples, oh. which is like 2000 years ago. And in the 15th, 16th century, it came to the courts of the Mughal emperors, like Akbar the Great, so that's mm. a very known one, uh, in Rajasthan. So that's this whole area around Delhi, Jaipur, Jodhpur, Udaipur. And it's actually All what we know today as Indian music, like Ravi Shankar and all that, is actually originally comes from Drupad, but it's a new style which came only in the 18th century, which is called Kayal, which is lighter, it's more dance, Uh and it was more entertainment at court. But the original Drupad music was really, um, yeah, it was actually sacred. Mm -hmm. And then it came to the court and, and there was this musician Tan Sen, he was like one of the crown jewels of Akbar the Great. And this teaching was very strict. It was only taught in families and only to men. So, And this changed only in the 20th century. Wow. So basically in the 70s.
0: So now there's
1: a bigger generation of women also singing, but it was forbidden before.
0: Yeah. How did you discover it and how did you study it?
1: Yeah, so first, already as a teenager, I did Indian music in Vienna because I'm one of my classmates of in the viola gamba class in music school her father is a sitar player and he actually learned with um, Anapuna devi which was the fiance of ravishanka before he or i think the first wife so her father was actually ravishanka's teacher so i mm-hmm. came immediately by chance to this <laughs> incredible source of indian music and i started to play sarangi which is like the Indian boat instrument Uh that's three strings and it's quite small but it sounds like a cathedral it's like you know all these Indian instruments have so much resonance and I started to play that and then I also took all the frets of my viol because I wanted to make these ornaments like in Indian music but it doesn't work because the viol is really comes from the fretted lute kind of Mm -hmm. sound so I thought no this is not working but um, so that started how it started and then I went to study in Switzerland But this Indian music kind of stayed in my mind and I wanted to learn how to improvise and I wanted to sing. And I also wanted to find my own voice, I think, somehow, Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you study, you're full of other people's ideas, but you don't know your own anymore. So I went, a musician told me about this uh, conservatory in Rotterdam and that there is this teacher, this woman, the Dutch uh, woman, it's Marianne Svasek who did an incredible job. She's uh, teaching Drupath vocal in Rotterdam. And um, so I went to her and I just sat there and she sang and she showed me. And I was so touched and I thought, I I just want to do this. (laughs) So I started and um, I started for five years. And then I went every year to India to learn with with, uh, her teacher also and uh, with other... Major musicians in mm. all,
0: It's so interesting. I mean, I I know this about you, but I don't I don't know the detail of of what you're telling yeah. me now, and it makes me realize because I met you in an early music context, I I didn't know any of this until we started talking about eavesdropping, until I just asked you the questions and you sent me some information. But I think we're so narrow in the way that we view even our own colleagues not not intentionally but we you know we encounter somebody in a particular context and imagine that 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 is their context but of course the story here is that that's less than half of who you are and and what you do and if i hadn't asked the the question i might never have found out
1: yeah so. but i also i i didn't really i was not so open about it also i think i mean well, I, it's only why,
0: why is that
1: um because I'm, I was already a professional musician when mm. I started studying Indian music. So I have quite high expectations. Mm. And then it took a long time until I was even at the level. And then I, the last time I was in India, my the teacher I learned with, he said to me, he asked me, yeah, don't you want to come and live here and study and really become a professional, but singer, which is like really, kind of an honor that he asked me that. It was really sweet because I was there in his house for three weeks. But um, I also felt like, yeah, I mean, I just, I just didn't see myself there. Mm. Um, And I was too far with the violin somehow. And then it kind of, I kind of stopped singing also for a while, which was also good because I needed some distance to certain things also because it's the way you learn and this whole surrounding is quite specific. And then I actually met Galia Benali, this Tunisian singer in a different project. And then I started to sing again. It just happened like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and now we have this project and now I sing a lot on stage and it just grew. So I don't know, I didn't make a big deal out of it because I, I didn't feel that I was professional.
0: Yeah.
1: And then I also, I didn't, I didn't really feel like doing that on stage yeah. because I only want to do things on stage where I really think it's good. Yeah, and now it kind of naturally grew, and and um, now it's okay. So. Um, I know that you're
0: preparing some things for us that that I yes. can share online for the twenty fourth of April. Um, so I'm wondering, I'm wondering what that is. I'm wondering how you're going to show us these different elements of your practice.
1: Yeah. So I'm. I recorded some Saint-Colombe
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is um, French baroque music
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what I like about him is it remembers me a bit of the Indian music in the sense that he was kind of um, eremit you know he like was a, hermit, a, yeah. a hermit yeah hermit yeah so I just we don't know much about him but he was doing music in his garden hut and just <laughs> like a bit in an own mood and his music is also very free and there's a lot of a lot of light but there's also a lot of darkness and and he's just doing what he feels like that's how the, his music feels you cannot mm-hmm. compare it to any other music in that period or he was not at court. he was not he was not adapting to anything and also because you really feel the the monody in the in the pieces still i find mm-hmm. like there's there's something so i will play a bit of that and um, i will play I sing I some Sandhrupad where I accompany myself on the viol so I kind of harmonize the Indian music which yeah. is also something you wouldn't do because it's just one raga and one melody and so I create kind of a bit more harmony in mm-hmm. that and then I will also um, just do an alap improvisation in Indian music with the tampura which is the accompaniment instrument it's it's a uh, it's an instrument with a very long neck and the kind of pumpkin shape um, body. Is um, it plucked or bowed? It's plucked. It's and it, plucked. it has four strings, and it's always plucked repetitively. Okay. And um, so I will sing uh, one raga. And then I will also do one part where I just improvise a raga on the violin.
0: Okay. So really bringing everything together, you've got yeah. these various um, monodic traditions together. And, yes. and creating something a bit freer and a bit, a bit richer and from different continents and different times. It's really lovely. Yes. Mm. Hey, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be the first time I hear you sing, Romina. Ah, really? Yeah, okay.
1: it's exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. So we'll be uploading that for people to listen to on the 24th of April instead of the live event that would have been here in London. Um, it occurred to me it's, um, it's nearly Easter, which is probably normally an extremely busy time for you as a vile player doing all the St. John passions and Matthew passions, I imagine, that happen at this time. Um, so how are you spending your days in lockdown what are you enjoying doing
1: yes yeah, so i um i was a lot of resting yeah i was um fasting is that the right yeah
0: word? that's right
1: yeah yeah which is actually the period for it yeah and uh, it was quite a an, physically an interesting experience to to feel a bit weak physically mm. because i don't eat enough and uh, I think I was reading about it that fasting is actually is you give up a lot of things to kind of rethink your life and to to see what you all have in your life and if it's really what what is useful or what you what you value. Mm-hmm. So in kind of distancing yourself from all this fullness in life, you think about what, what do I really what is really um, precious in mm. my life. Did you
0: find some surprising ideas or surprising answers?
1: What I really enjoyed was that there, there was no pressure in work mm. and that there was this kind of just being home and having this very simple life. So you just make healthy food and you mm. go to nature and you have time to read or just to do nothing, to sleep, to rest a lot. And mm. And I, then I, I had this feeling of my life is always so extremely busy. Does it is is my life more worth because I'm because I'm more busy, or do I give people <sighs> yeah. do I give people more because I play thousands of concerts, or maybe maybe I can create more special moments by doing actually less, mm. and also this effect of like dropping everything you get so much space and and other ideas
0: mm.
1: which normally you don't get because you have no space for it
0: mm. Is this are these extraordinary circumstances making you feel more or less creative
1: no but i feel more like a child you know I have more, <laughs> <laughs> because, I, because i don't have to do anything yeah. so it's just fun <laughs> you know it's not so serious it's just fun you know like as a child you don't think about i'm so creative (laughs) it's true
0: (laughs) actually i think i did you know i think i was a bit obnoxious i remember when i was going through my extreme poetry phrase phase when i was probably about seven and eight and i remember thinking i'm very creative (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, but I had this later as a teenager through also mm-hmm. writing poems, like, oh, I'm so, <laughs> writing so beautiful. Sentences. No, I probably would find it complete shit. But anyway. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, as a child, child, you know, before mm-hmm. all this head comes in. Yeah, before the <laughs> self consciousness starts. Yeah, because you like doing it. Yeah. No reason other than that, somehow.
0: Great. It's very liberating, no? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Romina, thank you so much for for talking to me. It's uh, it's really nice to hear so much about your practice, about what you do, and I'm really looking forward to hearing the material that you prepare for us. So thank you for taking the time to do that.
1: No, no, thank you, Juliet, because I think you're doing a fantastic job and oh. I'm very happy that you wanted to invite me in the oh, first place. Thank you. And I think it's wonderful what you do. And it's a pity that we we cannot live it all live, but I'm sure we will do it later in another way.
0: Yes, exactly. Thanks, Romina.